and welcome. And you're listening to Soul Dancer, and I'm your host and author of Pay Me What I'm Worth. If you'd like a copy of this book, anytime, visit online. Something you may have said in the past, Pay Me What I'm Worth. <laughs> so if you go to paymewhatiamworth.com, you'll be able to order a copy of this book and get involved in any of the study groups that we have going. And you're welcome to check out the study groups or create one. And I highly recommend it because when you do a study group along with this group, it's kind of like having a workout partner. You get a little bit more out of this book. So your study group, its, it's insights will add significant value to the many exercises found in Pay Me What I'm Worth. And you'll also learn more about yourself with this group. So their gift of perspective will help you see more fully your gifts, your talents, your abilities, all part of the core message of this book, just rediscovering who you are on many, many different levels. As you come to know yourself more fully than ever before, you're well on your way to being valued more fully each and every day. Once again, to learn more about these study groups or how to find one, how to connect up with one, check out the website, paymewhatiamworth.com. All right, commercial is over. Now, what are we going to talk about on this show? The topic for this show is actually chapter nine, the second to the last chapter of Pay Me What I'm Worth. Chapter nine's title is Ethics and Integrity. Ooh, there's a couple big words, eh? Ethics and Integrity. To help focus the show, I'm going to start off with a couple quotes like I usually do. The author of the first quote is a Buddha who is recorded living from 563 B.C. to 483 B.C. So yes, that puts that Buddha well over a hundred some years old. And this Buddha's quote is, Neither fire nor wind, birth nor death can erase our good deeds. Once again, neither fire nor wind, birth nor death, can erase our good deeds. Hmm. Our second bit of wisdom features Jane Addams. Miss Addams is the first American woman awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. She graced our lives from 1860 to 1935. And Miss Addams' quote is, Action, indeed, is the sole medium of expression for ethics. Let me repeat that. Action, indeed, is the sole medium of expression for ethics. Hmm. I selected these quotes to open chapter 9 and this show because it's really most important that we begin to understand how the concept of aligning our words, our words are also, also known as our ethics, how aligning our words with our deeds. Our deeds are also known as our integrity. How aligning our words and deeds play a key role in giving and receiving all we're worth with ease and grace. So when it comes to saying what you do, you're speaking about your ethics. And when you do what you say you're going to do, you actually begin to demonstrate integrity. How well do your words align with your deeds, I wonder? If you need help in aligning your words with your actions, would you ask for such help? Hmm, okay. 
If you sense you need support in this area, hey, you're in luck. That's what this chapter, or for frankly, that's what half the half this book is about. The second half of Pay Me What I'm Worth is all about aligning your words with your deeds more effortlessly. So as we dive in, I'd like to have a little bit of a reality check here for you. What is your definition of ethics? What is your personal definition of ethics? And once you've defined your ethics in your words, how would you define integrity? How do you define integrity? What's your definition? You got to pull out the dictionary, take a look, go do so. After you complete your listening to this show and the reading of chapter nine of Pay Me What I'm Worth, I'd like you to check to see if your definitions change from now to when we get to at the end of this show. So I wonder, think about this. What would you do if I came to you or I sent you a letter specifically asking you to help me change my life for the better? Would such a letter honor you? Or would it inspire a mountain of doubt next to an ocean of fear? Hmm. Or what about for yourself? Have you ever thought about writing a code of ethics just for you? A lot of organizations these days has a code of ethics, either for a customer or client or a patient. Have you ever thought about writing your own code of ethics? Hmm. Now, this show is also going to help kind of wrestle with the question with the differences between ethics and morals. More often than not, you find ethics and morals paired up. And and, and in most definitions regarding ethics, you're going to see the word morals in there. Now, there's countless reasons that exist to mix or separate ethics and morals, depending on what's most highly valued at the moment. Which do you value more, do you think? Ethics or morals. You see, in most of my studies, what I have found is ethics are a set of time-tested principles that you create and agree to and abide by to accomplish a specific result on a regular basis. Let me repeat that. Ethics are a set of time-tested principles you have created and agreed to to abide by to accomplish something specific on a regular basis. Now, morals, morals mix in the act of judging something based on a personal set or group standards or norms. So morals mix in the act of judging, judging based on your own personal or some group's standards or norms. So as you might guess, You know, standards change all the time. And they change based how they're interpreted on a wide variety of things, feelings, issues, circumstances. So, for example, do you remember a time when society considered paying men and women morally acceptable? Do you remember that? You old enough to remember that? Has this changed? So how does one track such changes to update their ethical standards? Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. 
So for those of you who wish to combine or mix ethics with morals, you frankly, you've added ever-increasing complexity to the equation. You really, really have. So if you value complexity over simplicity, now we have an answer. If you value complexity, you will combine ethics and morals. If you value simplicity, you will separate those two. Is what you ethically pay someone different than what you might morally believe to be the right payment? Hmm. Another way to think about this is ethics enjoy facts. Plain and simple. More often than not, ethics enjoy some pretty cold facts. Morals thrive on subjective judgments. It's true. Morals thrive on subjective judgments. Think about this. It wasn't that long ago in our culture that in Western American society, if you were pregnant, if you were not pregnant by the time you were 15 or 16, there was a doubt about whether or not you're going to be an old maid. Now we look at if someone gets pregnant before they're out of high school, that's a problem. We're changing our morals. We're changing our judgments. So accordingly, if you live by moral standards, I, I ask you to take great care with every single word you speak. What you say, otherwise known as your ethics, will be judged by what you do. That's your integrity. Moreover, your actions will be judged based on the morals of each and every person who observes what you do, much more so than what you say. Kindly remember, even if you find yourself being judged, listen up, listen closely, this is important. Even if you find yourself being judged by someone, you do have the option to choose not, let me repeat that, you have the option to choose not to judge others. So, do you like to judge people? Well, if so, have you come to believe you have the integrity, thus the ability to judge someone? Even if you're a professionally paid judge, you do so without knowing all the facts, period, end of sentence. It's highly unlikely I or you will ever know all the facts about something on even the most simplest things. For example, how would you plan to learn about all the facts based on another person's hopes, their dreams, their cultural background, their standards, their level of knowledge, the relationships they have and the circumstances they are in? That's a pretty complex batch there. And until I gather all those facts to all parts of the story, for all people included, it would be really rather unfair of me to render a judgment. So what you've just heard, what you've just heard about judging, do you believe you have what it takes to be a judge? Hmm. If you answer yes to that question, remember this answer the next time you feel judged. Let me repeat that. If you think you're qualified to judge things, that's fantastic. You can judge as much as you want. But guess what? The next time you personally feel judged, especially judged unfairly. I beg you to recall the number of times you have judged something unfairly yourself. What goes around comes around. Now, 
As we all know, actions speak louder than words. That's a good old saying. And the reason why is because your actions are something finite. People can observe them. They can judge them. To think, speak, or write represents an action. Now, granted, many people might be not be able to see you thinking or hear your thoughts. But your thoughts inspire what you speak and write. And speaking and writing is an action. So when we say actions speak louder than words, might we actually mean results speak louder than no results? Think about that. Results speak louder than no results. And results form the basis of what we see, what we touch, what we taste, what we smell, what we hear. And granted, yes, we can make judgments on things that you did not do, but we seem to make stronger judgments on things that you actually have done. When one observes a close match between your words and your deeds, your results, your deeds are your results, when they find a match between those two things, you build trust. You inspire trust. People see that. When someone trusts you, they may be more inclined to pay you what you're worth, (laughs) naturally. When they don't pay you what you're worth, when someone doesn't really value you for who you really are, do you sense you can trust them? Hmm. When you trust someone else, you run the risk of damaging that trust. If you value them anything less than what they ask for. Now, this chapter's goal and this show's goal is to inspire you to take a little time to explore any gaps between what you say, meaning your ethics, and what you do, meaning your integrity. Such exploration helps you sort out your learned and to-be-learned lessons in life. They say hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> How good is your hindsight vision? How good is your ability to learn from your wisdom more than your history? Let me unfold that for you. How good are you at listening to your instincts and allowing them to direct you in the best way they know how versus your history, your drama? Can you see a familiar lesson a mile away, I wonder? Now, the first exercise in Chapter 9 focuses on gaining and maintaining ethical foresight. As your ability to walk an ethical path increases, you'll discover a much less stressful life. And kindly note, this work is really, really very simple to the work you do physically. For example, have you ever started a physical exercise program (laughs) only to find yourself in great, oh, physical pain the next day or weeks after? Well, that's pretty normal, right? If you don't exercise those muscles on a regular basis, uh, you shouldn't be too surprised at feeling a little more sore after the first day of exercising. So true with becoming more ethical. The first few times you do your best at aligning your word with your deed, you might find a little pain involved. Kindly remember what we've already covered in previous chapters. Do follow the old Buddhist saying, there is pain in life, 
suffering is optional. So just like a physical program, if you engage a workout partner, it's more likely you'll be successful in your goals, right? So you might want to wish yourself a gift. The gift is to enlist the help of one or two very trusted friends, friends who you spend some time talking about this, to help you establish your new stride as you learn to walk your talk. Talk about what that means where you all can be comfortable in doing that. One suggestion is to invite them to walk this path with you. Walk hand in hand. Invite them to grow their levels of integrity right along with you and be gentle with each other. Doing this work is hard work. Clubbing yourself over the head with your mistakes is really quite unnice. It's just not nice. You don't need to do that. Invite them to walk this path with you. Otherwise, you may risk inviting people to help you who want you to fail. They will club you over the head every time you make a mistake. For those people whom you know will test your new resolve, you might want to think twice about if you want to engage them in this process. And if they keep clubbing you over the head, you might want to think twice about keeping the relationship, quite frankly. Why? Well, (laughs) for some, they may not know it, but they'll purposefully help you fail at your attempt to walk your talk. Now, (laughs) why would someone want you to fail? Hmm, simple. Change is often a scary thing for most people. And if you change, they will have to change themselves, period. That's just the way it goes. If you change, they're going to have to change as well. That's the nature of change. And sometimes change is a tall order for folks. So they may sabotage you. If you don't succeed, they don't have to worry about changing the way they feel about you. As you learn to let go of people who no longer support the new, higher levels of integrity you plan to walk, you're going to experience two lovely surprises or two lovely rewards, depending on your perspective. First, you'll naturally begin to attract more people who walk their talk at the same level you do. Attraction attracts similar. So, ethical people enjoy finding other people who same who share the same level of integrity as you do. And on the flip side of that, another reward is you're going to, there's this way of shielding yourself from people with lower ethical standards and levels of integrity. Now, what do I mean by that? How does that work? Well, here, people with lesser levels of integrity will find your ethical standards probably be too difficult to handle. (laughs) High ethical standards result in high levels of integrity. Initially, such work can be very difficult to do, but here's a secret, just like the physical stuff. The more you work out, the more work you do on this, the easier it becomes. And before you know it, you'll see how it's actually less work to live a high level of ethical standards than it is to live with lower standards. Because you see, more often than not, those who enjoy high levels of integrity enjoy less complicated lives. (laughs) Which type of life do you want? Complicated or less complicated? So as we begin to summarize the information here, 
on this show and end in chapter 9. Your ethics is also known as your words. Your integrity is aligned with your deeds. Your words and your deeds produce the results for others to observe and often judge. And if you recall, judgment is a trap. It's something you really don't want to do. If others observe no gaps or small gaps, or little or no gaps between what you say and what you do, you will naturally become known as a person of integrity. It's a byproduct. It just happens. The more simple you keep your ethics, the more likely you'll enjoy high levels of integrity. And if you want to mix your ethics with your morals, now remember what we said about that. Morals are a complex batch of cookies. They got all sorts of subjective things in it. Morals have subjective things that change constantly based on age, culture, creed. So if you want to mix morals in with your ethics, then you've added an ever-expanding layer of complexity to any ethical standard you choose, period. Such complexity invites ever-changing levels of integrity based on an endless variety of changing social standards. So, for example, you may not be morally well-received, but people may love you because you do what you say you do. To help maintain a high ethical standard combined with high levels of integrity, become ever more aware of what you say you'll do in light of what you know you can do. Don't promise something you know you can't deliver on. That seems like common sense, but we have a tendency to do that. If something happens where you can no longer do what you say you're going to do, then just change it based on what has happened. Tell people this happened. When I made this agreement with you, I didn't know this was going to happen. I got to adjust what I've agreed to. Now, while these people may not like such changes, I think they're going to appreciate your effort to better align your word with your deed. And it takes courage to own up to one's mistakes. If people don't respect such courage, you're going to know better the next time, if there is a next time, what to say to avoid making the same mistake twice. Don't forget one of the chapter 8's Chinese proverbs. <laughs> the old Chinese proverb, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So with ethics and integrity, it is a very, it can be a very complicated set. As you go through the exercises in chapter 9 of Pay Me What I'm Worth, you're going to find out that this complexity dissolves. And as you begin to get more comfortable with saying what you can do, you're going to find it to be quite relieving and it will make your life much less stressful. So with that thought in mind, as we begin to wrap up the show, I want to once again remind you that all of this work that you're going to do as you do the exercises, and it's well worth taking the time to do this work because it will last you a lifetime you might want to consider forming a study group and take your time with this. There's no rush to get through Pay Me What I'm Worth. There is absolutely no need to plow through this. In fact, the more time you spend on it, 
the better off you are. But I'd say that you would probably want to get through each chapter in about a month per chapter. So yes, it might take you a whole year to get through Pay Me What I'm Worth. And that's fine. There's really no rush. There's only 10 chapters. And your study groups offer really a gift worth its weight in platinum. And that gift is perspective. The gift of perspective is well worth the time and effort of creating a study group. And I would invite you to look about getting involved with one of my study groups. You're going to find my study groups very balanced. We're starting them all the time. And you'll find my study groups focused and fun. So to learn more about my private program known as Soul Dancing or to register for any of my study groups, check out the links on the site or CD that you found this recording on. And of course, you're welcome to call me anytime at 866-357-4318. Again, that toll-free number is 866-357-4318. Or email me at author at paymewhatimworth.com. As we come to a close, I also want to remind you, I consider you to be the star of this show. I consider everybody listening to this show to be the stars of the show. Your clicks, your ears, really make what this show can be. Now, so, what does that mean? Your feedback. Your feedback is important to this show. Share what you have to say. Share your wisdom. Dive in. Don't be shy. Your pearls of wisdom may fundamentally change someone else's life for the better. Your support helps us help you discover how much you're worth in more ways than one. So until our next show, I'm Soul Dancer, and thank you once again for gifting me a valuable gift, and that is your time and your attention. May you enjoy fully this day for all it's worth. And remember to check out future shows of Pay Me What I'm Worth. Why? Because you're worth it. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.